He was going to die, so he contacted God. God changed things. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are exploring the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in one year. It's very exciting. And as we do this, I want to encourage you to get your Bible guide and read along with us. Corey and Ryan are here today. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at the war that occurred during King Hezekiah's reign. Ryan? Today I'm exploring the ruins of an ancient biblical city known today as Tel Arad, where there's possible evidence of Hezekiah's godly reforms. You know, Hezekiah was a fascinating king, really interesting, and we'll talk about that later. Janice? My segment is called, Is Your House Ready? All right, so one way you can get ready is get your Bible guide out and turn to today's passage as we begin to study. This is interesting. You know, the 38th chapter of Isaiah is fascinating. So let's open it up and let's listen to what God is saying with your Bible, the world's best-selling book. Isaiah 38, verses 9 through 20. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, In the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver." He cuts me off from the loom. From the day until night you make an end of me. I have considered until morning, like a lion so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children." The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 38, verses 9 through 20. Isaiah 38, 39, and 40. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture as we read through the Bible, doing that every year. This is our 32nd year. And next year, I'm talking about next year already, that'll be our 33rd year, and I'm very, very excited about it. 
But you know, most people live their lives for the here and now, what we can do now and, and experience it now. And they set goals to plan their future, but they don't take much time to consider what will come after this life ends. Now, the follower of Jesus Christ thinks differently than most people in the world. They are aware of how God ignites their eternal forever status right now. You see, we all live in a sin-cursed world that brings destruction and ultimate death. But we can move in the right direction to make our lives and the afterlife more meaningful now. And God has given us the gift of eternal life through His Son. When we gain this eternal knowledge and choose to follow God with our lives, it literally changes the way we live every single day. Because how we act now affects our life, our eternal life forever. Absolutely true. Now take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can write for yours or call for yours. And we're standing by, we're ready to send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Bible Discovery TV. Don't forget the TV.com. When you go there, click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. And let me just make this mention that the donations are very helpful. We thank you so much for being faithful. It keeps us on the air and keeps us focused right here. So if you're watching a station and you're seeing us on that station, we're paying for that airtime. So as God speaks to your heart, we pray that uh, you would do according to what the Lord tells you to do in Jesus' name. Now, this is something that we're going to study today, life. Life. Isaiah 38, 9 to 20. Father, help us today as we study the scripture. Help us to pay attention to what you've said. And Lord, we need to read from the Bible into our hearts to change our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we pray. And Father, I ask today that we would hear the words of Isaiah, the prophet of God, very clearly now. In Jesus' name, and we said together, amen and amen. Now, let's look at the scripture because it is interesting. This is Isaiah 38, verses 9 to 14. It said, this is the writing of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. So he's the king. When he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. So he had been on his deathbed and he recovered. Verse 10, I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. It's another word for death. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. He says in verse 11, I said, I shall not see Yah. That's a word for God. The Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. And I have cut off my life like a weaver. And he cuts me off from the loom. From the day until night, you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion. And so he breaks all of my bones. From day until night, you make an end of me like the crane or the swallow. So I chattered. I mourned like a dove. And my eyes failed from looking upward. Oh God, I am oppressed. Undertake for me, Lord. Now this is what Isaiah had said. And he writes, or Hezekiah had said, and he writes this down. Hezekiah calls on God when his life is near the end. Okay. 
Now, Christian believers and Christians believe and know that death is not the end, but it is a beginning. Let's remember what Jesus Christ said. He said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid for in my father's house, there are many mansions and you will join me one day. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus Christ is preparing a place for us right now. Now think about that because that's very important. Remember that the Lord decides for us, here's where I'm bringing them and here's what I'm going to do for them. So this is amazing. That's one of the reasons we praise the Lord. And then in Isaiah chapter 38, beginning with verse 15, it says, what shall I say? He has both spoken to me and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live. And in all of these things is life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had greater bitter, had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol, or death, cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. And those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. You, as I do this day, the father shall make known your truth to the children. Now that brings me to this point. God gives us the truth of his word, beloved, and his way in this life. That's what we have. Life for the believer is always in our future. We trust in the Lord. Now let me explain. Our dollar says, the American dollar says, trust in the Lord. If you're in the UK or you're in Africa or you're somewhere else, your dollar probably doesn't say that. But it says, in God we trust. Now, our, our eternal life does not begin when we die, beloved. When we come to know the Lord, Jesus Christ, and we say, come into my heart and take my life, Lord. That's when our eternal life begins. Because so much we do in this life affects our life for eternity. Much we do in this life affects our life for eternity. Keep that in mind. The thoughts we think and how we act with each other, we need to pay attention to that. Now, let's go to the last part, Isaiah 38, verse 20. Here is what it says. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. He says, we're going to do that. Now, beloved, that takes me to point number three. Listen carefully. The house of the Lord is alive in our spirit. Believers have chosen God. They have chosen life forever. We live in a time when, you know, we, we don't, church is fading and we don't think that, you know, going to church is a big deal and some people are committed to it. But let's remember that Jesus Christ lives in our heart and going to church is about people, not buildings. It's about people gathering in the name of Jesus Christ. You can have many, you can have as few as two and you can have as many as 200,000, doesn't matter. When people gather in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit grows in their hearts and speaks to each other. That's how the Holy Spirit communicates, beloved. That's what we need to hear. And fellowship is more than friendship. Fellowship is talking about God, learning the Lord and understanding what he has spoken to us because we have things to say to each other that will help them for eternity. And that's what fellowship is. It's 
talking about God, praying to the Lord, praying with each other. That's what it means to come together, beloved, not just the sermon or the songs, but it's also the fellowship or praying with each other and being with each other today. We need to keep that in our hearts and in our minds as we go forward. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today, I decided to go on an archaeological dig to the ancient biblical city of Tel Arad because there have been some absolutely fascinating discoveries here which may directly connect with King Hezekiah and his father Ahaz. And these two were contemporaries of Isaiah. Now, just for some background, King Ahaz was evil in God's eyes because he made molded images for the Baals. He set up high places in all the cities of Judah and burned incense to other gods. And he even went so far as to burn his own children in the fire. But thankfully, when his God-fearing son Hezekiah took over the throne, he put a stop to these debaucherous acts, and he even broke down the high places. Now, what's interesting is that there is a temple at Tel Arad that may just be one of the places of Ahaz that Hezekiah dismantled. Check it out. Located on the very edge of the Judean desert, approximately 80 kilometers south of Jerusalem, lie the ruins of an ancient biblical city known today as Tel Arad so named because it is situated on a mound, or Tel in Arabic, and is located only 10 kilometers west of the modern Israeli city of Arad. Among these ruins, at the peak of the site is a fortress, and in that fortress is a temple, and in that temple there is a room with pillars and a stone that some believe to be the Holy of Holies. Interestingly, this is the only temple discovered so far within the boundaries of the Kingdom of Judah, and when this site was originally excavated in the 60s and 70s, archaeologists dated it to around the 10th century BC, the time of King David and Solomon. They also noticed that at the top of the two pillars of the shrine, there was an organic residue. But due to the limited technology of the time, scientific analysis of these substances was inconclusive. However, more recent teams of archaeologists have made some truly game-changing discoveries. For example, while it is still believed that the site itself dates back to the 10th century BC, archaeologists now think that the temple was built later, probably around the 8th century. Also, after several decades, archaeologists were finally able to identify the mysterious residue upon the two pillars, and in 2020 they published their findings. While the big pillar contained remnants of frankincense, which isn't surprising, the smaller pillar had a very well-preserved residue of cannabis. And it was mixed with animal dung, which acted as a fuel so that when it burned, the cannabis plant could reach the needed temperature to produce a mind-altering experience. Curiously, archaeologists also found evidence that the temple was purposely buried over only a few years later. As a 2002 archaeological report says, there are no signs of destruction by fire in the temple, but rather clear evidence of intentional cancellation. 
What's so exciting about these newfound discoveries is that they correlate extremely well with biblical history. While it's true that there were a few Judean kings who lived during the 8th century, one who really stands out is Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. 2 Chronicles 28 says that Ahaz didn't do what was right in God's sight, and that in every Judean city he made high places to burn incense to other gods. This is quite notable in light of the cannabis and frankincense discovered in the temple at Tel Arad. It also shows the extent of the Judeans' defiance against the Lord. Not only did they violate God's command by having a temple outside of Jerusalem, but they dared to burn impure fire also. If this indeed was the work of Ahaz, then its intentional cancellation a few years later may be direct evidence of Hezekiah's godly reforms documented in the books of Kings and Chronicles. Now, I do want to thank and fully credit an amazing Jewish couple for pointing these discoveries out to me, and I really want to encourage you to check out the whole story on their YouTube channel called Sergio and Rhoda in Israel. I'll actually put the link to their channel below. And the specific video of theirs upon which my segment was based is titled, quote, Shocking Discovery at Ancient Temple in Israel. It's 30 minutes long, and you can just search for that video on their channel. Or if it's easier for you, you can visit their website at snrisrael.com. That's snrisrael.com. And if you don't know, Sergio and Rhoda are Jewish believers who take their viewers on amazing adventures in Israel to see firsthand the land in which most of the Bible takes place. So make sure to check them out and subscribe to their channel. Very good. And I uh, look forward to that. We'll do that, Ryan. That's excellent. Um, and, and I was thinking about this as we talk about some of these archaeological evidences. More and more and more are being revealed as we go on in time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Corey can attest to that as well. Okay, Corey? Yeah, I, I think the more work that's done and the more research that's done is, is revealing more, more knowledge. I mean, even um, looking back at sites that were excavated uh, earlier on, it, Archaeologists and researchers going back in now and reinterpret, not reinterpreting the data, but fitting that data in with what is now known from other sites really is opening up the world of the Old Testament, specifically the New Testament as well. But the Old Testament just covers so much more time that there's there's so much more information to be able to piece together there. So it's always really interesting. There's tons of archaeological journals and uh, even popular magazines that you can subscribe to that, that kind of keep you up to date on that. What did you do today? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're running out of time. What'd you do today? All right. Well, today I, I took my cue from uh, Isaiah chapter 39, which talks about King Hezekiah's physical illness. And I think it's really interesting that it's placed here because it seems to be taken out of order. Chapters 38 and 39 with Hezekiah's illness uh, seem to have actually taken place before the, uh, the invasion of Sennacherib. Uh, and so it's interesting that Isaiah chose to place this afterwards and probably Probably he did this because it points out the physical weakness of Hezekiah and it points out Hezekiah's spiritual weaknesses as well, kind of emphasizing that fact like he's still a man, he's not the Messiah yet. Uh, this is this is not the Messiah that 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 I'm talking about. Uh, and also we see Hezekiah as as a type of Judah, as God promises to save Hezekiah and extend his life. So if Jerusalem will repent, God will extend her life. So let's jump into the historical situation here and learn what was going on in this war between Hezekiah and Sennacherib. 
The Bible records the third military campaign of Assyrian King Sennacherib three times. For the history of Judah and Jerusalem, this campaign was devastating. Judah's sister country of northern Israel had been thoroughly defeated by Sennacherib's father, Sargon II. And while Assyria was the dominant political force in the Middle Eastern world, when Sargon II died, many of the territories that had pledged loyalty rebelled. According to the Assyrian records, Judah's king Hezekiah was one of them. The Bible records several factors that verify Hezekiah's rebellion, receiving emissaries from the Chaldean rebel leader Merodach Baladan, fortifying his cities for war, creating a protected water source for Jerusalem, and spiritually preparing with a focus on rededication to Yahweh. Nevertheless, the Bible records that Sennacherib succeeded in laying waste the entire country of Judah except for Jerusalem, whom he besieged but could not take. He was drawn away from the area by an Egyptian military force and then experienced a mysterious loss of soldiers that the Bible credits to an angel of God. The surviving records of King Sennacherib tell much the same story, verifying the basic outline of the military movements recorded in the Bible and adding an important detail, Sennacherib's motivation for invading Judah. According to the Assyrian records, Hezekiah had taken charge of the imprisoned king of Ekron. This king was the only one loyal to Assyria in the area. His citizens, wanting rebellion, had put him in chains, and as a show of solidarity, Hezekiah had offered to keep him imprisoned in Jerusalem. This act of defiance beckoned Sennacherib to come and make a name for Assyria. Assyria wanted to be seen as an empire that protected those loyal to it at all costs. Sennacherib succeeded in rescuing the overthrown king. Likely, he was given in the tribute that Hezekiah ended up paying when Jerusalem was besieged. And while he could not take the city of Jerusalem, Sennacherib divided up the territory in Judah that he had conquered, and to make a point, put it under the jurisdiction of the freed, reinstated King of Ekron. Lots more that can be said about Hezekiah and Sennacherib in this whole time period, but we'll get there. I think this is a good, a good baseline to just understand uh, where, you know, where Sennacherib was coming from and what it is that he was hoping to accomplish. Excellent piece. Thank you both. Janice? Yes. Well, with not a whole lot of time left, I'm going to use my notes a lot so I don't forget what I wanted to put across to you today. Um, We're talking about Hezekiah's life being extended. And is your house in order? This is what God wanted Isaiah to ask Hezekiah, both in 2 Kings 20 verse 1 and in Isaiah 38 1, because it tells and retells the story here. Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. He was giving that proclamation to Hezekiah. And I thought to myself, you know, God asks us the same thing. Get your house in order. Set your house in order because you know what? We're earthly vessels and we will, we will die. This body will die. We will die in our sins without Jesus Christ as our Savior who reconciles us to God the Father. He was raised from the dead, and in that gave us the gift of eternal life. So with Christ, when we pass from this life in our body, we gain eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can check me out on that in 1 John 5, 11 to 13, how that Jesus is our life. Now, when God told this to Hezekiah, He did check to make sure his house was in order. And in fact, he went to God and he prayed. 
And here's what the Lord said to Hezekiah. And I'm taking this directly from 2 Kings 20, verse 5. God speaks to Isaiah and says, return to Hezekiah and say this. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So when we come to Jesus Christ, when we know that we are confronted with who Jesus is, we have to decide, is he the son of God? Does he give me what he claims to give me, forgiveness of my sins and eternal life through him? God hears your prayer. He hears my prayer. And I have seen your tears, God says. This is repentance. When we truly feel remorseful, we feel sorry and guilt for the things that we have done, and we come to him, God sees those tears when we come to him in truth, when we come to him with our heart. And God says, surely I will heal you. This is God's forgiveness. This is extended through his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. Let's make sure that our houses are in order. Because when this physical body dies, if our house is in order, which means we have given our lives, we have given ourselves to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, then when we pass from this body, we pass into eternal life with God. We are given extended life. So at the end, Hezekiah praises God. In Isaiah 38, 20, listen, he says, The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. There it is again. The Lord stands ready to save us. He stands ready to save us. And then when he does, we can't help but praise our Lord and Savior God all the days of our life here. And praise the Lord, hallelujah, we have forever in eternity with him to praise him for everything that he has done and for who he is. And so where Hezekiah says, we're going to praise him with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord that is inside of us. It's in our hearts forever. As we conclude the program today, we need to pray for people in this time having difficulty with all of the prices going up and everything else. And it just seems like there's no end in sight. But Father, I pray with the wars, the rumors of wars, the economy and everything else. I pray, Lord, that you would show us and teach us, those who believe in you, your ways. Show us your paths, Lord, that we can walk that way and we can repent and follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen.